I am drawing your, your attention this morning to the first chapter of the book of Acts. The book of Acts is, is a book that every apostolic should know. Amen? And in the, the Bible reading that I do, I'm, the book of Acts is a revolving book. Um, the book of Acts is not the only book that I read, obviously, but, um, but it is a recurring book. And, um, and the book of Acts and the, books, the book of Proverbs are two revolving books, again, in, in the Bible reading program that, that, uh, that I adhere to. And so we need to be very familiar with the book of Acts uh, because actually it's uh, the, the title is the Acts of the Apostles if you read it in your Bible, but really it's more properly the Acts of the Holy Ghost through the Apostles because that's really what's recorded. And, and what is recorded there that, that they did uh, the results they had is the will of God for the church today. Amen. Can somebody say amen? Amen. amen? amen. So in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 4, I'm going to start with verse number 4 and read down through verse number 8 just for the sake of time. And Luke says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Notice what he said in the, in the opening phrase of verse number 8. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Amen. I want to take this, uh, this passage of Scripture and, and I, I want to preach to you this morning the, the subject, the power is in you. The power is in you. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated today. 
Now, in the, the passage that we read, uh, the Lord is, is speaking to those disciples. Now, in this context, we are, we are on the tail end of the ministry, the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. He is getting ready to ascend back into the heavens and He begins to instruct these disciples. It's kind of, kind of ironic, but yet it's, it's also amazing that there is still a lot of misunderstanding on the part of the disciples concerning the plan of Jesus Christ. They came at a time in which Israel was looking for a deliverer. They were looking for the Messiah. But their anticipation was that when Messiah comes, He is going to deliver us from this Roman oppression. And when He delivers us from this Roman oppression, He is going to again establish the kingdom to Israel. And so their idea was that they would go back to the glory days. The days when, uh, when Israel was maybe respected or uh, maybe they were feared by some nations because of the God that they served and the acts of God that had been demonstrated not just for Israel to see but for surrounding kingdoms and nations to see so that they too could know and understand that there is a supreme God that rules and reigns. But yet they, they were misunderstanding. Now, I, I want to take just a moment to, to, uh, to explain that even though these disciples that Jesus chose was from varied backgrounds, there, there were fishermen there, there... Uh, there, there was uh, the one that kept the purse, Judas Iscariot. There was a, a tax collector there by the name of Matthew. There, there was a zealot there by the na name of Simon who was identified as Zelotes or the zealot who came from uh, a particular band of political assassins. These were the people that despised the Roman government. Not only did they despise the Roman government, but they also despised Roman collaborators who would be Jewish. And Matthew was a, a, a Roman collaborator. And, and even though he was a Jew and he was, uh, he was a publican or a tax collector, he, he, he worked for the Roman government, but yet God brought these, these men together 
and called them to follow Him and to be disciples. And as varied as their background was, they had one thing in common. They all knew the Jewish Scriptures. And every one of them were looking for the arrival of the Messiah. Every one of them was looking for the Messiah to come and to extricate the Jews from the the oppressive oversight of the Roman government. We know through through the words and the works of Jesus that that was not the reason that He came. He didn't come to deliver them from Roman oppression. He came to set their spirit free. He came to bind up the brokenhearted. He came to set at liberty them that are in bondage. He came to heal and to cleanse the leper. He came to raise the dead. He came to open the blinded eyes and unstop the deaf ears. He came to cause the mute to speak. He came to deliver those who were uh, possessed and oppressed by demonic forces. He came to set them free and ultimately He came to lay down that life as a sacrifice for the sins of the entire world. But even even in understanding the, the purpose of Christ's coming, the Jews did not understand. Even the disciples did not understand because they... They asked Him when He said to them and commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but they are to wait. Somebody say wait. They are to wait for the promise of the Father, which says He, you have heard of Me. And then He goes on and He says about John, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Then their misunderstanding comes into play. And they, they asked Him, when they therefore were come together, they asked Him saying, Lord, are you at this time going to restore again the kingdom to Israel. Jesus didn't even respond to the question. He just made this statement. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in His own power. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Amen. What he's talking about here to the disciples is that they are not to focus. It was not the will of God for them to focus on information that God has placed in His own power. You don't be concerned about that. There are times and there are seasons that the Father has relegated to His own power and into His own knowledge. I don't want you focusing upon that. But there's something that's going to happen to you. You are going to receive 
power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. You shall receive this power. Can I tell you something this morning? That the power of the Holy Ghost is not optional. When that Spirit comes upon you and it comes inside of you and it begins to dwell in you and it takes up habitation, Jesus said, you shall receive power. So why it is that there are those who who walk around as if they have no power. After they have been baptized with the Holy Ghost. I don't understand. But the word shall in this case is used to express a command or exhortation. According to Webster. In other words, Jesus left no option for the church. It's not the will of God that there be a powerless church in 2022. It's not the will of God that there, that there be a church of no production, no productivity in 2022. When we understand what it is that God placed on the inside of every redeemed man and woman on the face of this earth, there is power inside of you. Amen. Somebody listen to me this morning. There is power inside of you. You, amen. It came, it came. No, no, no matter how many years ago you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, Jesus said, You shall have the power, you shall receive it. It's coming to you, it's yours. You walk in that power, you operate in that power, you live in that power. That word shall is also has with it a note of finality. In other words, according to Jesus, there's no option. There is no option for the church. There's no option for the body of Christ not to have power. We don't have an option to say, well, you know, I can have the power of the Holy Ghost or I can choose not to. That's not what Jesus said. He told those disciples, you're going to receive power. My question to you this morning, is that power active in you? How many have the power here today? How many have the power? If you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got the power. Amen. I said if you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got the power. Amen. I I wish somebody would believe me today. If you have the Holy Ghost, you have the power. The power of God is resident in you. And that power, according to Jesus, is going to be the motivating force for you to accomplish the will of God in your day. And in this day, the power is there. You just need to exercise the power. Amen. He said, you, you shall be, be witnesses. Now, I, I have heard people and I have read that people says, you know, the, the only reason that, that this little band of people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost and, and, and the 3,000 and subsequently the 5,000 that received the Holy Ghost and then... Then there were others, you know, who were scattered abroad. 
They, they received that just for a period of time. Jesus said that you shall be witnesses. And there are some people who say that the only reason they received the power of the Holy Ghost was to be a witness. And then some people say that word witness means martyr. And it really does. It's the Greek word martus. But it's, it's not, in, in this case, it's not just talking about people who who uh, would probably, no doubt, and many of them did lose their lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there is one definition of that word martyr that we don't take into consideration. And, and that is this, a martyr can be one who has information or knowledge of something and hence one who can give information, one who can bring to light. Or one who can confirm something. Amen. Uh, contextually, that is also a martyr. Amen. And if you have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, uh, you've got some information. You've got some knowledge. Uh, amen. You've got something to bring to light. Uh, amen. You can confirm something today because there are those uh, who believe with all of their heart uh, that the Holy Ghost is not for the church world today. Uh, amen. But I'm here here to tell you, once it was poured out on the day of Pentecost, amen, it's still flowing right now. And men and women all across this world are receiving the same experience as was poured out then. And you can bring that to light. You can confirm the fact that Jesus is still pouring out His Spirit. Amen. I can confirm it. It's hard to argue. With a man who has experience. Amen. If I'm in a court of law. You know you can, you can question my witness. If my witness is nothing more than hearsay. It, it, if, if I'm being asked. You know can you confirm or, or deny. Can you confirm that this happened. Well yes I can. How can you confirm it. Well I just heard that it took place. How did you hear that it took place? Well, you know, this one told me. And, uh, and, and I think that they saw it. I, 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 I can't vouch, but that's, that's how I know that it happened. Let me tell you something. By, cr by cross-examination, my witness is going to be shot full of holes because I don't have, I didn't see it. I don't have any experience with it. I don't have any relationship with it. But I'm telling you something right now, Brother Thomas. The cessationist has come far too late to tell me that the Holy Ghost is not for today. They've come way too late, amen, to tell me that, that this is not the will of God for this day of this hour. That was for a time and that time has passed, amen. But I'm telling you, it's still happening right now. It is for now. It is for today. The Holy Ghost is still being poured out. And that, that Spirit of God is still the power of God that's delivered directly from God to the human race. And it's there for a reason. It's there for a reason. It, it will help you to bring information or knowledge of something to this world. It, it, it helps you to give information. To bring to light. 
It helps you to confirm something. You know, if I didn't experience it myself, it's going to be hard to confirm it. You know, it's going to be hard for you to, to convince me that God is a healer if God has never healed you of anything. Amen? It's going to be hard for you to convince me that God is a deliverer if He's never delivered you from anything. Amen? But because, because there have been those in the past who have arisen and, and witnessed to me You know what? Before my day of Pentecost, uh, I was bound by alcohol. I couldn't get up in the morning without drinking alcohol. But once I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, uh, God delivered me from that. Uh, I've never had one taste for it since. Uh, I've never had a desire for it since. Uh, You know what? Because it happened to you, I can believe that God is a deliverer. Amen. But listen. Amen. There are those who do not believe today but because he's healed me I can convince you uh, that God is a healer and because he's delivered me uh, I can convince you uh, that God will deliver you uh, and because he saved me and he filled me with the Holy Ghost I've got a chance of convincing you this morning that God will do the same thing for you Because I've got that power that's in me. Amen? Amen. I said I've got that power that is inside of me. And because it is inside of me, then it makes me responsible. It makes me responsible to this world. It makes me obligated that when, when I come across somebody... That, that needs a word from God. It makes me obligated to spend my time there for as long as is needed. When I come across some somebody who's searching for something greater in relationship with God, it becomes my responsibility to spend time there. Amen. To help bring to light. Amen. A God that, that will help them. A God that will save them. And a God that will deliver Deliver them. Amen. It's, uh, it's the obligation of the church. It's the job of the body. Amen. God has commissioned us. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. You shall bring things to light. You shall. You shall be the one to give information. You shall be the one to confirm that God's a Savior. He's a Redeemer. He is a healer. The church has been given information and knowledge to be preached to the world. The information is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that gospel must be spread everywhere. Jesus said... When somebody inquired as to when the time of His coming would be, Jesus said, you know what? The the end is coming when the gospel is preached to all the world. It's the obligation of the church. I know that it's impossible for every one of us to travel to foreign lands and distant places. But I'm going to tell you something. Amen. The harvest field is in your back door right now. 
Amen. I said the harvest field is in your back door right now. We've got every tribe. We've got every language. We have got every culture that, that, is, that is coming in to, to the land of the free and the home of the brave. Many of these cultures are, 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 are isolating them, themselves in bands and, and, and they're living in certain sections and certain quarters of, of a city or, or a county. Amen. And thank God there, there are those uh, that have the knowledge of the truth uh, that are beginning to learn about their culture and, and what they believe in an effort to reach them because they understand that the, that the field of harvest is right here now on our own front doorsteps. Amen. Let me tell you what I believe. I believe it's a will of God in this last day that there be people in the body of Christ that get a burden for different cultures and they start learning the culture and they start learning the language in an effort. Amen to gain a doorway and to spread the gospel because the field of harvest is here right now. And Jesus said, you're going to give information. When you receive power, then you shall be witnesses. You've got information, but you've got to give it. You've got knowledge and you've got to dispense the knowledge. You've got understanding, so there's some things that you're going to have to bring some light on to help other people be saved. After the day of Pentecost, the early church wanted to stay in Jerusalem. This was against the command of God, and so God allowed persecution as a remedy for this error. And Saul was a major contributor. If you go to the book of Acts chapter 8 verses 1 through 4, the Bible said concerning the death of Stephen, the Bible said, and Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Notice what Luke says, except the apostles. The church was scattered. The apostles just stayed right there in Jerusalem. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and hailing men and women committed them to prison. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the Word. I want you to notice it wasn't the apostles that went everywhere preaching the Word. It was that church that was scattered by the fire of persecution that everywhere that they went, no matter what culture they found themselves in, no matter what dialect, no matter what tribe, no matter what, what hamlet they found themselves in, they went everywhere and they had one thing in common. They preached the Word of God when they got there. Notice the clause in verse 4 that says they that were scattered everywhere. They grammatically 
is a third person pronoun. Servant is a plural of the word he, she, or it referring to a group of two or more individuals. This scattering included more than preachers or what we would term ministry. It was the church that was scattered. And because there was power on the inside of them, no matter where they found themselves, they began to preach the Word of God. And God began to respond in kind. The result of this this persecution and subsequent scattering was that the scattered went everywhere preaching the Word. Let me tell you something this morning. It, it's a shame that God has to use the, use the tool of persecution for, for the accomplishment of the mission of the church. It, it would be a shame that God would have to use persecution today to get the church to do what God established the church to do when when the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost. But listen to me this morning. That may not be in the distant future. That may not be just for times past in church history. That may be coming in the near future. God may be getting ready to allow persecution to be the impetus once again for the church to accomplish what the God said the church shall do. I was talking to my wife yesterday. We were talking about some things and I had been on the phone with, with a pastor and was talking about some issues and things and I began to encourage him to, to do certain things. And I, and I told my wife, I said the reason, one reason that I encouraged him to do certain things is, is this. It's not a secret by now. I mean, unless you're the ostrich with your head in the sand. Then you know by now that over the next 10 years, our federal government is hiring another 87,000 IRS agents. 87,000. That's on top of what they already have. I don't know what to have currently. This is on top of that. I, I saw somebody uh, showed an aerial photo of a college football stadium, and I, I don't remember the school, but it was packed to capacity. And their caption was this This stadium holds 82,000 people. This stadium will not hold. All of the new IRS agents that's going to be hired in the next 10 years. Listen to this. They're training IRS agents in weapons. The IRS right now has already purchased millions of rounds of ammunition in various calibers. See all for, for you that are or shooters and stuff and, you know, and things, you know, uh, happening and ammunition was in short supply. And ammunition wasn't in short supply just because, just because the, uh, of certain things that's being told in the news. One reason ammunition was in short supply uh, was because the federal government is, is buying the, the ammunition, buying the ammo. Right now, the IRS, as a federal government entity 
owns millions of rounds of ammunition of various calibers. To what end? What's the purpose? I thought the IRS had something to do with the federal tax codes. And after all, it is named the Internal Revenue Service and has to do with people's taxes and defrauding taxes and all, and all of that kind of stuff. Why does an IRS agent need a Glock 19 or a Glock 45 or a, or, or a Colt AR-15 or whatever the case? Why does an IRS agent need that? I'll tell you my personal belief, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all. And your government is telling you that all of these agents are going to start investigating all of these people in these companies that, that make over $400,000 a year. It's not going to happen to the little man and the middle class and the lower class people. And they're not going to have increased audits. And we're not messing with any of that kind of stuff. Now, if you believe that, you just go ahead and believe it. But I told my wife yesterday the way things are happening right now and, and the prevailing sin and, and, the, and, and the more sin becomes in your face if you're a child of God and all of this, this kind of things and marching out now and saying if you don't accept me for what I am we're going to cancel you and you'll pay the price and, 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 and we will protest against you we'll burn your building down it doesn't matter to us I, I told my wife I said we better get ready amen those 87,000 aren't coming just just for those that make $400,000 a year and above. Amen. But they're getting ready to crack down on the population of the United States. And churches are going to be in the crosshairs. Amen. I'm not a prophet and I'm not the son of a prophet. But I'm telling you that this is not by accident. This is by design. And this is by purpose. But see, even in the face of all of that, we cannot become distracted. We cannot become sidetracked. Amen. Because God has given the church a purpose. He's given us a goal. He's given the church a job. And with that job, He gave you the power to initiate the job in this world. So we cannot allow ourselves to become distracted. By the things that's coming and the things that we hear. You know, and I, I listen to just enough that I can just be aware of what's going on. And because I don't believe any of them. They, they'll lie to you. They, they'll lie to their grandma for her last nickel. They'll certainly lie to me. But I, I at least believe that we should be aware of things that's happening in this world. But Brother Tim, it should not be a, an avenue for us to lose focus and lose sight over what God has commissioned the church to do. He said, you shall receive power. See, the question of those disciples was, are you going to at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? See, they're focused on what's happening in the world. They're focused on what's happening in the physical kingdom. And the Lord said, you know, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons the Father has put in His his own power but here's the key right here you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses you're the one that's going to shed light you can't be distracted by the physical kingdom you've got to focus on the eternal and the everlasting kingdom you're the one that's going to shed light
You're the one that's going to bring information. And I'm going to tell you right now this morning, and I'm getting ready to close. If the physical kingdom is what we're focused on, if the only thing that we can do is sit around and gripe and complain about Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and all of these these others that are working an agenda. And I understand they're working an agenda. I get it. But if that's the only thing I can focus on, and I'm going to tell you something right now, the church is going to miss reaping the harvest that God intended the church to reap. If all we can focus on is physical problems in my body and that's it. That's all that my mind is on. That's all that my mind is focused on. We are going to miss the reaping of the harvest that God intended the church to reap. Well, things just aren't going good in my in my life right now, if that's all you can focus on, you're going to miss the harvest. And you've got power that's in you that is going to remain unused because God gave it to you not just to take your carcass from earth to glory at the sound of the trumpet. But God instilled that power on the inside of you that you can heal the sick. That you can raise the dead. That you can bind up the brokenhearted. That you through the power of the Holy Ghost can set at liberty them, uh, them that are bound. That you can bring the gospel and what Paul told, told those elders in, in Acts chapter 22 that the Lord told him that he, that he is to, to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. That he, that Paul, that he can turn them from the darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God. What was it that Paul was saying? Amen. When I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he put power on the inside of me to be able to accomplish the task that God tasked the church with. Somebody has got to loose that power and let the power of God work through you into the lives of other people. The power's in you. I said the power is in you. The power is in you. The power's not in you just to clean you up. It's not in you to save you and, and you only. You know, because here's the idea of, of some in the modern church. God save me. I'm waiting for the rapture. If, the, if that is your idea, honey, I'm afraid you're not waiting for the rapture. Because you're not fulfilling the will of God even in your life. Much less the body of Christ collectively. 
He put the power in you for you to use. For you to help somebody. Give them information. Well, I just don't know the Bible like somebody. Give them what you've got. Give them what you've got. You you do know about repentance, don't you? You you do know how to repent, don't you? Tell them how to repent. You, You do know the power of repentance, don't you? Yeah, if you've experienced, you know that at least. Tell them about the power of repentance. You know, you know about water baptism, don't you? Don't you know the power of water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins? Tell them that. You know about receiving the Holy Ghost, don't you? What, what happens when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Tell them that. And if that's all you can tell them, you have told them what, is, what has the potential of saving their soul and redeeming them for a devil's hell and getting them rapture ready. If you can't tell them anything but the gospel of Jesus Christ, tell them that. Because that's the only thing that's going to save them. I don't need to give them a psychological answer. In fact, I don't feel compelled to try to give an answer to every question that's asked about the whys and the wherefores of the, the things and the happenings of life. Because there are things that we'll never understand. But I do understand this. That there's a God that will help you. There's a God that will give you power over that. There's a God that will help you through that. And there's a God that will redeem your soul. You've got the power in you. But you've got to use it. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's stand this morning. I want you to lift your hands all over this building today. And I want you to begin to talk to God. You have been tasked with a job. But you have also been given the power to do the job. 